Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys, talk to you soon. Welcome back to the show. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know. If you agree, then keep listening for tips on how to cultivate meaningful connections the right way. If you disagree, then tune in anyway to let me prove you wrong with my journey. My name is Travis Chapel, and this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey there, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Freestyle Friday, where it is just me, you, and the mic today. I am inspired to give you guys a list of my favorite podcasts, some of my go-tos, and just a quick spoiler, um, it's probably not the ones that you think that it is. So, um, But really quick, before I get into that, if you guys are interested in starting your own podcast this year, if that is on the list, if that's on the to-do list for 2020 and you are a six or seven figure business owner, um, then head over to travischapel.com slash coaching to apply for a spot in uh, my upcoming coaching program. Uh, only take on a few clients at a time. We only have one spot left, I believe, off the top of my head uh, in, in this program. So we walk people through how to create, grow, launch, and monetize a podcast um, and how to add to your bottom line as a business, how to use this as your number one business development tool. It's changed my business, changed a lot of other people's businesses as well. So um, travischapel.com slash coaching. Coaching uh, basically will just take you to a quick application, then we'll hop on a phone call sometimes. So worst case scenario, we talk on the phone, which isn't that bad of a worst case scenario. So head over to travischapel.com/coaching, and uh, we'll chat real soon. Okay, so 
I want to tell you guys really quickly before I give you my favorite shows and why I like them. Um, I, I want to I want to kind of give you the reason that I was inspired to go ahead and tell you guys my favorite shows. So this past week, my buddy uh, Jordan Harbinger hit me up and was just like, "Hey man, uh, saw that we were both featured in this thing here. Um, in case you wanted to share it or throw it out there or whatever." And so he sent me this link and I and I went over to go look at it. And uh, Readwright wrote up this awesome piece: uh, top twenty five podcasts designed to make you think and grow. Um, and this was this month, this was just, you know, a week, a week or so ago. Um, and, uh, it, it puts me in a list of 25 other shows that I am, you know, very, very grateful to be, uh, to be a part of. And so Jordan Harbinger, um, is, is on there, which by the way, um, you should definitely go listen to his show. Um, impact theory, Tom Billy, habits and hustle, Jen Cohen expeditiously with TI, um, hundred dollar MBA show, mind pump, art of manliness, Kevin Rose, Jim Quick, Dan Harris, Joe Rogan, um, Sam Harris, Mark Marin, um, Dr. Drew, Ben Greenfield, Noah Kagan, uh, so many people on this list. And then all of a sudden just pop out, out of the middle of nowhere. There's build your network with Travis Chapel. And so, um, it says best podcast for improving networking and professional relationship skills. And then you scroll down a little bit further in the article and they wrote up a nice little piece uh, about the show. It said, best podcast for improving networking professional relationship skills. After just a couple of episodes of this podcast, even the savviest entrepreneur will learn something new that they can apply to their networking efforts, startup, and overall work and life goals. From comedians like JP Sears to successful entrepreneurs like Sam Bakhtiar, founder of multi-million dollar fitness concepts, Travis puts together engaging podcasts that help listeners improve how they approach growing their network and learning from others. Beyond just covering the obvious questions that people want answers to, Travis delivers a unique interview style that involves throwing out random rapid-fire questions. It's worth tuning in just to see what he might ask, and even better, finding out how guests answer those questions. Um, and I was so, so stoked to, to see that, uh, to see that feature, especially like I said, among so many other amazing people in this industry that I respect. Um, so after I saw that, I just kind of started thinking, man, if I were going to make a list of the top shows that I would recommend to people, who, who would be on that list and, uh, who, what, what kind of shows would it primarily be made up of? And that's what kind of encouraged me to sit here and start thinking, okay, well, what shows do I actually listen to? I mean, I subscribe to a lot of shows, but what shows do I really listen to? What, what are the ones that, uh, that are kind of my go-tos? So here's a list. These are, by the way, in no particular order. Um, this isn't like a, hey, this I'm starting with my very favorite and then I'm going down to my least favorite of my favorites. Like, does anything like this. These are just a random selection of the shows that I find interesting. Uh, so first one that is on my list here is Joe Rogan. Um, this is on a lot of people's lists, about a hundred million other people's lists. Um, uh, last I heard he gets over a hundred million downloads, um, per month on his show, which is absolutely insane. It makes him, it's got to make him, um, the largest privately owned media distribution company in the entire world. I would assume anyway, I, I, I can't imagine any other places have that type of distribution. Um, you know, to beat that, you got to be up like become Disney or, or something like that. Um, and, and Disney and all the different things that Disney owns. But anyway, so Joe Rogan's on there. Look, love him or hate him. The guy is a great conversationalist. Um, he has mastered the, the art form of a long form interview. People listen to him and they go, Oh, I could do that. All he does is sit there and smoke weed and talk about nothing for three hours. Try it. 
try it one time and come back to me and tell me that it was the easiest thing you've ever done because it's not going to be the easiest thing you've ever done because talking for three hours on a podcast is not an easy task, especially if you're trying to keep the conversation interesting. Um, So what makes Joe so unique is that he knows so much about so many different things that enables him to talk to a variety of different people um, on an intelligent level uh, and, and not just be a complete dummy on a topic. He actually can ask intelligent questions and move a conversation along in the right direction. Now, the con is that they are such long interviews. So I rarely listen to an entire interview. Um, Sometimes it'll just be like a 30 minutes um, spot or a 40 minute spot. um, And then I'll go find something else to listen to. But it is entertaining, and a lot of times, uh, it, you know, depending on the guest, it can be very informative and educational. Um, sometimes it's just hilarious, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's that's on my list for sure. Next, Impact Theory with Tom Billy. I already kind of mentioned him earlier. Um, Tom is one of my favorite interviewers. If you are trying to get into the podcasting space and the interviewing space, um, I highly recommend checking out Tom's stuff, um, and here's why. Uh, Tom is an insanely smart dude. He built a billion-dollar company in five years and then sold sold it and now runs a it's a media company essentially impact theory is not just a podcast he i've been to his house in beverly hills i've seen the operation behind the scenes when i was there at his house they built out their entire living room as a studio and they had a dozen people in there running around doing different things and different tasks and they were launching um their comic book series that week Um, they run four or five different podcasts and youtube shows out of that studio Um, like i said getting into the comic book space their goal is to rival disney in the next Next few decades. Uh, so Tom is somebody that I have tremendous respect for and is a very, very intelligent person across multiple things. So the company that he built a billion dollar uh, empire on was uh, in the nutrition space. And he had to learn a lot about nutrition in order, in order to be able to dominate that space and create a quality product that was able to disrupt that industry. And so um, he talks really intelligently on a variety of things, uh, mindset, money, finances, growing a business, scaling a business, starting a business, nutrition, biohacking, like uh, so many things that he can speak for so long on and uh, the reason why I think he's a good interviewer is because when he is on an interview he's so interviewee focused it's insane to me because you know I feel like I'm interviewee focused because I don't know that much. <laughs> I just like to hear what other people have to say. And that's why I do a show because I'm also trying to learn in the process. Somebody like Tom, he could talk just as much as any of these people are talking about the different topics that they're talking about. Um, but he just sits there and he listens and he lets them talk and he makes it about them. And he's a very, very, very good active listener and a very good question answer or a question asker. Um, and uh, he's always very uh, empathetic, tuned in locked into what the person uh, he's interviewing has to say and then can speak intelligently toward the topic. So um, he's probably the best introducer in the game, uh, I, I would say. Uh, most people just read a scripted media bio and then get right into it. Tom always writes his own bio based on everything that he does and his independent research um, and then looks directly into the camera, says it with a lot of energy and enthusiasm, brings the person on, they feel like a rock star. Um, and uh, he, he's just, he's an expert at that kind of a thing. So uh, love, love impact theory. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Next, uh, Inside of You by Michael Rosenbaum. So this is kind of an interesting one, a little bit unique. My producer, Eric, actually told me about this show. Um, so Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Michael Rosenbaum is kind of like one of those actors that you may have seen him in something a while back, but it's been a while. Um, but uh, the a couple of things that I like about his show, well, uh, first of all, for anybody listening that, that used to watch Smallville back in the day, I was a big Smallville junkie because I loved Superman growing up. So when Smallville was on, I, I watched it all the time. And then um, I ended up when I had surgery uh, in college, I binge watched like all 10 seasons laying on my couch, just couch ridden, basically. Um, and, uh, and Michael Rosenbaum played Lex Luthor in the Smallville series. Uh, so now he has his own podcast and he interviews a lot of big time names. He's very well connected in that space still. Um, so he brings on a lot of big names into his show, people who are promoting movies and TV shows and different things like that, that they're uh, getting out there. And then uh, I think he's just a great conversationalist. Plus, I, I like listening to shows with hosts who have like really rich voices. And I, I don't know if that's just me or if that's, <laughs> if that's something that everybody, a lot of other people do. It's not, it's not, it's never the reason I listen to a show, but it's just always an added bonus. Like if the host has just like really rich voice. It's like, oh man, that it's just an easy listening type of a thing. And, and that's how Michael Rosenbaum is. Uh, but he's also a great conversationalist, asks great questions. And one thing I like about him is that I feel that he always makes the guest very relaxed and uh, they, he makes them feel very comfortable, which is, it's, it's no easy task as, as an interviewer. Um, a lot of times, especially if it's somebody that you don't know super well, uh, to be able to make them feel comfortable and to talk about certain things in a certain ways. Uh, I think that, I think that Michael does a fantastic job with that. So inside of you, Michael Rosenbaum, uh, next Jordan Harbinger show. So, uh, Jordan is, is a good buddy of mine. Obviously I've, I've referenced him a couple of times in this episode. Um, I'm lucky to have somebody like him in, in, in my, in my corner, so to speak. Uh, the guy's been 
podcasting for like 13 years now. He's, his show gets about 6 million downloads a month. He's interviewed the likes of Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant and who I watched uh, as a kid growing up, but also he'll interview random CEOs, like he, the CEO of Google. He'll, he'll interview like spies in foreign countries. Um, uh, you know, he'll interview a refugee that escaped North Korea, like just crazy stuff, crazy types of people that brings on a show. He had Frank Abagnale on, which is what the movie Catch Me If You Can with Leo DiCaprio is all about. He had the actual Frank Abagnale on his show. So, so many just different interesting uh, people and personalities. And Jordan is one of those people that can extract information like nobody else. He, he always gives you something, uh, always gives you something practical to implement immediately. Uh, some of these other people that I've, that I've mentioned are really great interviewers and they talk really well and they, and they make people feel comfortable and they get good information from people. But Jordan's always going for that. Like, what's that practical piece? Like what, what, how can the listener translate what you just said, though very inspirational into something that's actionable that they can actually put into their life right now? Um, he does a fantastic job with that. So Jordan Harbinger show definitely up on the top of my list. All right, let's go through these here. Next, we have Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard. This is a newer one in my rotation. Um, this is a lot of A-listers come on this show. I mean, this 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 show is extremely popular. Um, just looking through here, Drew Carey and Carey Russell, Malcolm Gladwell. Actually, I didn't I didn't realize he was on there. Adam Grant is on there too. He's a couple couple guys who've written good books on networking, which I highly recommend. Adam Grant wrote Give and Take, and Malcolm Gladwell just wrote. Uh, talking, talking to strangers, talking with strangers, um, both very good. Uh, but yeah, he's had Amelia Clark, um, from game of Thrones and Martina McBride and Kate Hudson, Edward Norton, Elizabeth Banks. I mean, he brings on some of the best people in the industry onto his show. Um, but, uh, but again, just somebody that makes the guests feel very comfortable. He has 44,000 ratings. So a fairly popular show. You've probably heard of it um, before. Uh, what's actually interesting is something that a lot of people don't know is that Michael Rosenbaum, the guy I was just talking about, um, actually is the one that encouraged, uh, uh, Dak Shepard to start his podcast. So, um, I guess we kind of have Michael Rosenbaum to thank for both of those. So, uh, de- definitely check out Dak Shepard's show. Uh, if that world interests you at all, um, it's, I've found it to be pretty entertaining. I've listened to a couple of episodes there and it's kind of in my, in my rotation now. Um, then I listen to a good amount of comedy guys. This is what I was saying earlier about like, you probably don't you like the shows that I listen to. You probably, you know, wouldn't even think that I listen to them, but, uh, two more that I would, that I listen to that are more personal development based born to impact with Joel Marion. Um, Joel is just an incredible upstanding guy. The guests that he brings on are, are incredible. And, uh, Joel just has the ability to talk to people. Um, he, he doesn't, when you first start listening, it's like, man, this guy doesn't seem like a super dynamic interviewer, but then you can't stop listening because he just is easygoing, chill dude that can talk to anybody about anything. And it definitely shows in his, in his interview style. And that to this day is one of my best podcast appearances was my episode on Joel's show. I still, I literally today just had somebody post about it. It was, we, I don't know, released it six, seven months ago. Um, and somebody really, somebody literally just posted about it today, which doesn't happen a ton in podcasting. You don't hear of a lot of recycled stuff being posted about. Um, but, uh, yeah, that one's gotten a lot of traction. So, um, and then, uh, the the other one that I was going to mention would be Bigger Pockets. Uh, Bigger Pockets is, I mean, if you're in real estate and you haven't listened to Bigger Pockets, you are making a mistake. Like you really got to go get in that community, get involved with the Bigger Pockets community, um, get to know some of their some of their people, and listen to all of their stuff because it's golden. Um, and Brandon's Brandon, the the host now, Brandon is is such a cool dude. Um, so I highly recommend listening to that one. Um, okay, so now here are some of my like go to shows that you probably wouldn't think that I listen to. 
but I really enjoy them. Uh, one of them is your mom's house. That's what Tom Segura and his wife, uh, Christina P. They've been doing this for over a decade now, which is crazy. I didn't realize that they've been doing a, a podcast for that long. Um, but uh, what's interesting is the type of guests that they bring on. It's mostly comedy. It's a mostly comedy show, um, just total transparency. What I do is I'll go find a interview that looks interesting to me, but I have to skip like the first, they do two and a half hour episodes or something like that. I skip like the first hour because it's, it's um, if you listen to it, it's not super engaging uh, because basically it's like almost a YouTube show and they, they watch stupid videos that people send into them, him and his wife, and they comment on them. It is hilarious, but on a podcast doesn't really get that much. So I skip to the part where they actually start the interview, um, just full disclosure there. Uh, but the interviews are usually really good. In fact, they recently had Damon John on. I really enjoyed that one. They had Grant Cardone on a, a couple weeks ago. Uh, most of them are going to be uh, comedians and people that are kind of in their world. Uh, Gabriel Iglesias uh, is on here. Andrew Santino. Um people like that. But, um, I just, I just find them hilarious. Uh, Dr. Drew's on their show. Dr. Drew's show is actually on their network, uh, the, your mom's house network. So, um, they, they, yeah, they do a fantastic job. Theo Vaughn this past weekend with Theo Vaughn. This is another one. Uh, this is one that I actually just listened to one of these episodes tonight when I was at the gym and, uh, he interviewed Mike Posner, who's, you know, a music producer. He walked across America, all these things. So Theo has some really interesting guests on. He kind of has a mix, a lot of, uh, comedy people, obviously, because that's kind of his world. Those are his friend groups. Uh, but he'll also do, uh, uh, he'll also bring on people that are just in random, you know, industries that are crushing it. So, you know, people like, like Mike Posner, um, he had Tommy Laren on, uh, recently, uh, who's an anchor for Fox and friends and, you know, her videos from the blaze went viral several times. Um, and then, uh, somebody recently, Oh, Jordan Peterson, uh, his conversation with Jordan Peterson was actually one of the best conversations that I've ever listened to with Jordan Peterson. And I've listened to quite a few of those. Um, and I really, really enjoyed this one with Theo Vaughn. So Theo Vaughn, check out his show, your mom's house with Tom Segura office ladies. That's a big one. This one blows my mind. It's crazy how big the office got literally it's just it's angela uh kinsey and jenna fisher who's angela and uh pam in the office and they literally just go through week by week and break down new uh episodes uh, of the show so they they're, they're going through the entire series of the office so right now i think they're on uh, season two, episode three or four or something like that. So it's going to take them years to get through all of these, but they literally go through, they offer audio commentary on what was happening behind the scenes that we didn't know about and things like that. Um, I'm a big office geek, so I, it's one of my favorite shows and I think it's hilarious. So I, I really, I really enjoy listening to this show and they're total sweethearts. It's just funny to kind of listen in on their conversations cause they're, they're just, <laughs> they just, uh, they just kind of crack me up a lot. So, uh, that, that's a, that's a really good one. This one like literally started airing in um let's see november of 2019 it's already one of the top shows in all of itunes within two months or so that they've been on they have forty thousand ratings um in itunes which is which is insane uh, the majority of them obviously being being five stars so this is uh, the, if you enjoy the office i will say that it is it is a it's a solid uh, take on the office so 
should check that one out. Uh, one of the ones I listen to frequently is Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. I have never watched Conan's actual show, to be totally transparent about this. I was not a Conan fan before. I didn't watch his show growing up. You know, all that late night stuff was, you know, quote unquote, bad stuff uh, growing up in the religious context that I did. So I never watched any of that kind of stuff. And uh, when I saw he had a podcast, I was like, oh, that's interesting. I um, wonder what this is about. And I looked on there. It's called Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. And he just basically brings on a ton of A-list celebrities that are friends of his and or and some of them they have they'll say in the episode that they, they have never really spent much time together but they sit down for about an hour hour and a half and uh, the one thing I don't like about network television is how scripted everything is and how short everything is you can't get into a good conversation with somebody in a six-minute spot that keeps in getting interrupted by commercials it's just impossible so when you listen to Conan talk with these people here you get the real good stuff the, the stuff like reminiscing about memories in the early 90s of like SNL and late night television and all those types of things that are, are interesting to me. If you don't find that other stuff interesting, then you probably wouldn't find the show interesting. But I, I find a lot of that stuff really interesting. And so listening to real conversations with him and like, you know, Dana Carvey talking about those old school days of, of comedy and uh, network television when it was huge to be, you know, these late night hosts and things. But I'll bring on a lot of different people like that. And uh, Charles Barkley was on there recently. John Mulaney, Jack Black. Um, uh, Paul Rudd, Tina Fey, David Letterman, Bob Newhart, Michelle Obama. Um, I mean, just so he brings on obviously the best of the best. Um, one, and it's all, uh, and it's already uh, just like the office ladies one. It's already one of the top shows in all of iTunes. Um, they're getting like over a million downloads an episode or something like that. Really good one. I really enjoy it. And then, um, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, finish off with this one. There's probably a couple that I forgot, um, or did not mention in here, but, uh, this one's good. I just discovered this one. Well, I mean, I, I say I just discovered it. It just started, um, like three, four weeks ago. Um, and it's called in bed with Nick and Megan. And this is Nick Offerman who is plays Ron Swanson on parks and rec. If you've ever watched that. And then, uh, his wife, Megan and, and Megan, uh, she's a comedy actress from will and grace. She's also in parks and rec and things like that. So, uh, they, they have a lot of fun. It's, they literally do it in their bed. So they bring like their Hollywood friends over and they film these things. Uh, they, they do these episodes in their bed. And I was just listening to the one where they interviewed Angela Kinsey and Jenna Fisher from the Office Ladies podcast, and uh, they were saying, they're saying how they were all in their PJs. So like all four of them just sitting on Nick and Megan's actual bed in their actual home, and just in PJs talking. And so uh, I, I like a lot of these different ones where um, they're they're unique they're unique shows, but they don't just talk about nothing. You, you seem to get, you, you seem to get something. And whenever you're listening to world-class performers and world-class people, uh, you can always take away something. Uh, you can always, you can always look for something that's like, wow, you know, I didn't realize that they were doing, you know, X, Y, and Z. Like, uh, Jenna Fisher on the office ladies is talking about how she was working her job at like, um, some fast food place while she was filming season one of the office. Cause they just didn't know if it was going to be picked up. And she had done a bunch of different uh, pilot seasons like they had done for The Office before. And none of them ever worked out. None of them ever got picked up. And how much rejection people like that face before they finally catch a break. And then being a part of something that big and uh, what it does to you and how you deal with the pressure and all that kind of stuff. There, there's so many things that we can take away from everything. So um, I, I don't just listen to personal development podcasts. I, I think I would get really burnt out if I only listen to those. Um, so yeah, there you go. There's a list of some of my favorite shows, guys. I hope... Uh, 
uh, hope you can uh, maybe go find a couple that you weren't listening to before and, and add them to your repertoire. I, um, you know, a lot of people are like, well, man, you're going to share other podcasts. Are you, are you afraid that people are going to leave your podcast? Uh, well, first off, if that's something that I'm worried about, then, um, I probably wouldn't have a podcast to begin with because that is what we call a scarcity mindset as if there's not enough listeners for everybody, which there is. There's about 700,000 podcasts out there and there's 7 billion people in the world. So you do the math. Um, and, uh, obviously not all of them speak English. So I know some, some, uh, you know, I was going to say a bad word, but I won't. Some, some uh, a person out there is going to be like, well, no, no, I'm speaking English and blah, blah, blah. But you understand what I'm saying, okay? There's a lot of people out there, and if you are so close-minded and scarce and, and full of scarcity, this this, that, this belief that um, you got to keep everything yours and everything, you know, this this my precious mentality. Um, if that's you, then then you got to rethink the way that you're doing things. So I I don't th- feel like that at all. And so uh, those are some of my favorite shows. I hope you go listen to them because, you know, if you just listen to me all the time, maybe you'll get bored. I don't know. (laughs) Um, If you do, if you are listening to the show, though, I really do appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for for tuning in. Um, It genuinely means the world to me that that you would take the time to listen to this show that I put out. So um, I really appreciate each and every one of you guys. If I mean, this would be just be doing me a huge solid. I would love to connect with you guys further. If you haven't joined the Facebook group, just head over to TravisChapel.com slash group. Um, It's growing like crazy crazy right now. We just have so many amazing people in there. The connections that are being made are incredible. Um, I, I don't know this to be a hundred percent fact, obviously, because there's no way I'd be able to quantify this, but I, I truly believe it's the best connecting group that exists on Facebook, uh, because people get real connections. What we do is we have people, uh, when you join the group, we have you, um, go create a Calendly link. Uh, it's just a scheduler link basically. And then you go book other calls with other people. There's been so many connections that are made, like literally partnerships are being formed and stuff like that from connections that were made in this group and all of it's totally for free. So a lot of value over there. Go check check it out. That's at travischapel.com slash group. I'm also super active in that group. So I um, would love to connect with you over there a little bit further. Thanks uh, for tuning in, everybody. Really appreciate your time. Go check out some of these shows. If you like them, let me know. Give me some feedback. Um, uh, let me know and, and we can kind of reminisce about those things. So appreciate you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Peace out. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. As most of you know, I talk a lot about giving value to others. This podcast is one of the ways that I do that since all the content from the show is totally 100% for free. And when people ask me how they can add value to me, one of the ways I tell them is to head over to iTunes, hit the subscribe button and leave a rating and review. This not only gives me valuable feedback on what you think about the show, but it also helps me with Apple's algorithm. So please, 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 if you have not done that yet, head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review for the show. It adds tremendous value and it only takes a minute or two of your time. Have a wonderful rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Like yeah, and, and that's what people, I, I think sometimes always people say that too with like nine to five jobs and I'm like, you do know you can get fired. Right. Like at any like, time, for yeah, any anytime. reason. Exactly. Like at their discretion. Yes. And so <laughs> Even if you're a top level, performer. You at know? some level, there's there's yeah. pr- different securities in both. Right. Right? And I just think that's just a part that I think like, uh, it's not even like one's better than the other. It's just no one's secure. Yeah. Right? It's every single day. We have to have our, our hands open, trusting, leaning forward, going into the day, um, enjoying our work. So, totally. yeah. Yeah. So, um, now coming into the world of writing books, mm-hmm. um, let's talk about this one yeah. really quickly here. So to hell with the hustle, the past few books you've written have all been like spirituality, mm-hmm. Christianity based, right? Yeah. So talk to me about, you said this one came out of like people asking you about this. Totally. 
Um, so, and we kind of joked at the beginning that you're currently in the hustle trying yeah, to right. sell the book right. that's uh, like against hustle. Deepest diary. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, To Hell with the Hustle is definitely something that I can get on board with. Uh, I know that there's a lot of people, especially in my space, in the entrepreneurial yes. um, type space, there's yes. a lot of people preaching hustle all the time. Yeah. And I don't necessarily like have a problem with working hard because yes. that's obviously part of the process. 100%. Um, but I think that having a self-awareness about what life really is about mm -hmm. is, uh, is super important. So, um, can you kind of talk to me about like the origin of this book and, yeah. you know, let's give me just one or two key principles that you hope people will take away from it. Totally. Well, I mean, I think it, it basically it started from the, the, not only me feeling it in my own life, but then like what you were saying, there's a, there's like a trend out there that's starting to just get kind of annoying. You know what totally. I mean? Like it's not like, and you nailed it. Like working hard is amazing. Yeah. Working hard is necessary. Uh, we need to work am, am, with ambition. We need to work, uh, you know, loving other people and doing it well and with ethics and all that stuff and integrity. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's this like extra layer that's like, I, I kind of, uh, hu uh, hustle's a good kind of uh, catch-all, but also another one that I think it was like the life hack culture. Mm -hmm. You know, you just like, we're so obsessed with like life hacking our life, right? Mm -hmm. Just like the shortcut and do this and you'll do this and make sure you have the MCT oil and the bulletproof coffee and that and, and I take that by the way and it gives me brain energy I love it yeah. but like at what point is enough enough meaning like how many like my, my question we have to ask is have we ever come back around to look at the data you mm -hmm. know what I mean like like okay we, we have every little life hack that we've almost had in human like like someone from 1500 would just be like blown away at how many little things we can do to our life right and so I just kind of say like are we have we reached like should we we should have reached perfection by now basically yeah. if there's so many life hacks we should have kind of reached the logical conclusion but we haven't which kind of shows you it's a little false bill of goods you mm -hmm. know that at some level we're chasing something that can't be grabbed can't be achieved mm -hmm. um and what is it there and so there's that and then yeah the book really gets at the spirit of like um man i think it was derek thompson who in the atlantic he has just a brilliant brilliant article called the religious religion of workism and he's you know non-christian like he's non-religious person he's just kind of using this language of like we've almost made work a religion yeah right and he, and he really gets into some crazy stats and data in there of like how this is not how it's ever been um and what it's doing to us and he has this cool phrase in there where he goes you know for all of human history work was always about making things but for the last 40 or so years work is now about making us Hmm. And what he says is we are in a very unique culture where we now, we're the only culture in all of human history where work is now no longer about material production, but it's about identity production. Yeah. It's about literally, we don't even care about our job as much. We care about what the job does for us, like mm. in our soul, yeah. who it's making us, who it's forming us into be, because we have some idealized version that we're trying to push towards. And, and who that, we who we, who we like want to be perceived as yes. by other people. Yes. And it's, so then that, that is, and that's an identity. It's, yeah. it's who am I? Yeah. We're trying to answer the question, who am I through work? And I just think that's a very, very, very bad thing to do. But it's dangerous. It right? is really dangerous and too much pressure, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, work is when it's about making things, that's great. Make things, honor those things, honor yeah. that job, be the best you can at that job. But when it's about making us, then that becomes corrosive and toxic on your soul. Yeah, you know, uh, Simon Sinek recently wrote a book Love him, by called the, way. the Infinite Game. Yeah. And he talks about that how how we're playing this we're playing this game of life like it's a like it's a finite game like yes. uh, like our, our career is a finite thing. Yeah. And it's not. It's not a finite game. There, there is no winner or loser. Clear yeah. rules that are yeah. done, and, and that's the same thing that you were just talking about. Yeah. Is that we're we're trying to we're trying to get other people to perceive us to be a certain way mm -hmm. based on what we think is going to elevate our status in yes. their eyes. When there's no like specified rules for what matters, yes. right? Because some people might be like, "Oh, your salary matters." Other yes. people might be like, "Oh, your job title matters." Mm -hmm. Oh, your impact matters. So we're like we're trying to build this life that impresses all these other people without even having a tool 
yeah. to measure, measure the actual yeah. success. Totally. Like we, we don't know what that means. We're just like totally. all competing in this thing. We've all picked out our own values that we perceive to be important. Yes. And then that's what we try to portray to other people. So if you view that like making money is important, yes. then you're going to cast that on me. And because yeah. I don't make as much money as you do, the then you're just going to be like, well, you're down here. I'm up here. Yes. Right? But I might look at you and be like, well, I do, I do more charity work. And, yeah, and exactly. that's what matters to me. Totally. You know, and, and you're all you care about is money. So mm-hmm. I'm going to elevate my status above you because I'm a better person than you are. Right? Totally. So we all have like these fake things yeah, that we measure life by that yeah. really nobody's ever agreed on. <laughs> totally, <laughs> you know? totally. And I and I love Simon Sinek, by the way. He's one of my favorite. I love him as a thought leader, some of the stuff he's saying. It was actually a geek out moment. He's in his new books in Target, and they put me right next to his in Target. Oh, nice. And I'm just like, yes, I get to be <laughs> yeah. next to him. Like, by his. Associate, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and hopefully by mine. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I totally agree, man. And I think, and, and, and Jesus even kind of gets at this a little bit. You know, 2,000 years ago, you have this gospel text of, uh, of, of different pressure groups. You have different religious groups. You have different secular people coming at him with different needs and pressures. Exactly what he said. Like, everyone has different metrics. Mm. And they're all putting this on Jesus, right, which is fascinating when you open up the gospels. And then clearly, there's even a couple stories where that pressure starts to collide. And then Jesus says, no, no, there is a metric. There is one. It's not all the ones you're saying. It's not all of this. It's not all that. And then he basically says, he says, you can sum up the entire law in this. And it's that you will love God and love neighbor. And I'm like, man, that is a good metric, right? Mm -hmm. To love, to love God, the person in whose image you are made in, but then also to love each other. Because when you're loving each other, then you're not getting into those false sense of metrics. Like you said, where I make this, you don't, I do this, you don't. Um, and I think that's just fascinating that in its own way, 2000 years ago, that was the same problem, just in a really recapitulated way. And I love how he answers this. No, no, there is rules, there is things, but it can be summed up in one center and that's love other people, right? And then love God and, uh, and love your neighbor as yourself. So I think that's huge. Yes. What, what are a couple other things that you talked about in the book? So the book, yeah. So first couple chapters, I would almost call the diagnosis, the problem. Uh, you know, there's already been some people messaging me and, uh, laughing that like it's rated, you know. Uh, I don't know how to say it. Like, it's like, you know, it's kind of, it's when you go to the dentist, it's painful to get the cavity part. And they're always like, oh, that's a little too painful in the first chapters, but hopefully it's the solutions the second half. Right. And because um, we have to, you have to truly know the problem, by the way, to know how to solve it. So I think that's oh. why I'm really uh, trying to put some teeth on those first couple chapters. And I go all the way into like industrial revolution. I go back to the invention of the light bulb. I go back to our invention of time. And all of these things actually are significantly putting us in our moment right now that we don't realize because we're 200 years past it. And when you wake up and you're, you know, and you're an adult, you're like, oh, this just is what it is. But it hasn't always been that way. What are the ramifications of that? So the devil and that, but then the whole rest of the book is kind of a solution. Every single chapter, I think the last five or six is what I try to argue for uh, five or six practices, I call them. That if you can institute those, they're, they're really, really good acts of resistance against the problem. You know what I mean? Okay. So like uh, things like silence, things like honoring a true Sabbath, like a true day of rest, like turn off your phone, stop working, um, uh, you know, which culturally, religiously or not, America used to do. 50 years ago, you try to go find something open on Sunday, good luck, mm. right? Yeah. Whether you're a Christian or not, that's just that we, we understood that you need to shut down. Right. Um, and so, yeah, rest. Sabbath. I even tell you, there's a whole chapter on obscurity on there. Like, if you, especially with people with platforms, you know, like us and stuff like that, we need to be making a concerted effort to like hide sometimes. Mm. And that's a weird way to put it, but we do. Like, we do not need to be out in front. We do not always need to be seen. We do not always need to be known because that does something to our soul where you become this cropped, edited version of yourself that's not actually a true, robust human image bearer that you are. Yeah, totally. I've been in that position before where like you're almost selecting mm-hmm. daily activities based on like what's going to look best on your Instagram. Totally. Or whatever. Yes. You know, like, what, what do my followers want to do? Like, yes. How about and that, what do I want to do today? Exactly. <laughs> and I think that's a really good point because 
there's a tension there too because I think it's totally fine and fair to share our days to say where we went to for fun and all that yeah, stuff. Totally. But here, that is the, the corrosive one is when you start actually crafting your days backwards. Mm. Meaning, meaning, what do I want to share? Then I'm going to go do that. That's different than I went and did something and I'm going to share it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and I think there's actually levels of both of those where sometimes just turn your phone off, phone off anyways, don't share. But the other one you said is even worse of like, yeah, we, <laughs> but we don't realize we do it because the more you do it, you start to do it more. Right? right? You start yeah, to literally craft activities based on how Instagrammable they are, and that's just a weird place to get at. Yeah, just this self-perpetuating yeah. mm-hmm. cycle that yeah, just drains your soul. Too. Totally. Yeah, you don't, like you said, you don't realize it until yes. like a few months later you wake up and yeah. you realize you're not doing anything. Well, my, well and here's what it does. It dehumanizes and also completely devalues the entire experience in a way where it becomes more commodified. So we live in Maui, <clears throat> Hawaii, and I see this all the time and I crack up, but it's also really sad. Where like literally, it's kind of that classic, you know, Instagram husband, Instagram wife thing where like we'll be walking. I see it almost every single day. And then people just want that classic Maui picture, oh, yeah. right? Just like they're on the beach. And, and literally I've seen so many times where like this girl's in her bathing suit or whatever. And you can tell they just got to the beach. She gives the phone to the husband. She goes and walks to the edge of the beach and kind of does a pose or a strike yeah. or whatever, takes the picture and then they leave. And then they bounce. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm literally like, and I'm, I'm not even, I'm not even, I've probably seen that over a hundred times. Yeah. Where the end, so, and then now think about all the way through. Okay, so then, you know, you're her friend and you get on Instagram a couple days later and you see this picture. It looks like they had an amazing time on the beach in Maui. Right. No, they didn't. Right. They, did, they literally didn't even spend five seconds on the beach. Yeah. They didn't swim. They didn't talk. They didn't hang out. Yeah. They, it was literally a manufactured moment. And it's just so weird, right? Like to like see the picture, but then also see how that picture was got, you know? Right. And so, yeah, but we do that more than we think. Yeah, what do you think that does for uh, culture in terms of like, I, I, we, we just had our first uh, kid. Uh, yeah. He's about six months old now. Congrats. Yeah, thank What's you. What's his name? Cameron. Cameron, cool. Yeah, so a lot of this stuff is now in my mind. 100%. And it was not before. Yes. Um, so what, what do you think that does for culture in terms of kids' self-esteem? Like mm. Not necessarily like I'm like I'm a grown adult, totally. right? So we can handle when Instagram more. came out, yeah. I was I think a freshman in college, totally. You know, so like by the time it was there, it, my feelings weren't as yeah. attached it's to it. It's gonna be native and, to them, natural to them. Yeah, as a kid, like you, if you grow up with that, and oh, yeah. you're seeing that kind of stuff. You know, well they they're here. You're you're seeing everybody's highlight reel yes. and not seeing any of their failures, and you're comparing your failures to totally. their like mountaintops. Totally. What does that do? Oh, there's so many different ways I, I like to answer that one. I think one what I would say is yeah, what it first does is it just commodifies all of our experiences that shouldn't be, like human experiences can't be measured or distilled in a laboratory, but we're kind of doing a pseudo version of that when we do this. It's like we want to make it transactional, make it commodified. So that's the first thing I would say. Second thing is, yeah, I'm going to get this stat wrong because I just read it, but it was something to the effect of like, I just read it the other day where it's like (laughs) your anxiety and your depression like dissipates by like 50% like in people that they measured turning their phone off for a week or something like that. You know what I mean? Like Mm, they basically just said, get away from your phone and see if that actually changes your mental health. And lo and behold, it changes your mental health, right? Mm. It's literally, and mental health is serious and is internal and there's ones that's way more chronic and way more serious. So it sometimes can't be solved by turning off your phone. But there's a lot on like this low grade level that I think 100% can. it has to be, right? Yes. I mean, the U.S. is the most culturally advanced country, arguably, in totally. the world, right? But we're also the leader in mental health yes, illnesses. Yes, exactly. Like we are the leader in anxiety, depression, exactly. suicide, all exactly. those things. It's because we as humans, like, look for problems. Totally. We have to have problems. Totally. So when our problem is no longer where am I going to get my next meal, Yes. then we start manufacturing all these other problems 100%. to have. Like, I posted this picture, yes. and I only got 12 likes, and last yeah. week we I got almost, 35. Yeah, we almost, like, have – it's exactly right. We have too much time on our hands to now make problems out of things that are kind of, like, such – 
ridiculous problems. Right. Right? Instead of driving, we're in the back of an Uber. Yes, right? like, exactly. Instead of driving to get something to eat, exactly. you get it delivered. From exactly. Brother, right? Yeah, one thing right. I would say that is, and but then back to your point about uh, your son, but then also just coming up in the next generation of social media and like comparing failures to your best. There's a couple of analogies that help me, or one that specifically, and I think one thing is we need to do is like, we need to not get upset at the people that do share the highlight reel because mm-hmm. that's like a normal part of life, right? Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we go one way or the other. We just get like, oh, you're only sharing your highlights because there's a weird kickback in culture that's the opposite right now. So we were like, oh, you only share your highlights. You only share the good stuff. And it's like, well, I'm not going to show myself like barfing at the, in the toilet. But there's a weird culture right now that's trying to push that back. That's totally right. like, And it's totally the be vulnerable, be transparent, you know, like just right. say everything that's wrong with your marriage and your life. It's like, no, don't take that to the internet. That doesn't belong there, yeah. right? And so I think that's just as wrong. And I, so mm. I think there's these two sides right now of like when you craft and manufacture it, that's wrong. When you're, um, but then when you're also saying like, you know, be vulnerable, be vulnerable, be vulnerable online, I think that's wrong too, right? Because there's a, that, that's, that's not that space. And another way to think about it is I think it's really helpful to think of social media like a family photo book, mm, right? Yeah. Okay, so if you go into someone's family, uh, someone's living room, they usually have a family photo book. Now, if you pick up that family photo book, it's probably just highlights, right? right? And there's nothing wrong with that, mm-hmm. right? There's nothing wrong with having a book that represents your family's highlights. There's no one, you know, grandma drunk or someone throwing up, like it's not in there. Right. Um, why? Because there's something about narratives too that I think we're narrative creatures. We like to remember certain narratives and that's okay to have the highlights. Where, that, where the family photo book gets problematic or where we would make it problematic is what if actually, because back to that first of all, you go in the house, you look at the family photo book, you learn the family, that's so cool, you look at it maybe in six months. Where the photo book would be really problematic is if you live in a home where you wake up and you pick up the photo book and you just read it every single day and then five minutes later you go back to it and then you, you bite something and go back to it. You eat something, you go back to it. You drink some coffee, you go back to it. Then you would start saying like, oh yeah, that person is probably getting a really, really, really seriously distorted view of what they think that family's narrative is. Mm -hmm. But is the problem the family's narrative? No. The problem is they shouldn't be looking at a photo book seven hours a day. Right. Right? So then it's kind of on the consumer side right there. It turns into this internal game of then like, Man, today sucks. Yes. Right? Remember this day? Yeah, like we that were, was Disneyland. We were in, yeah, in, exactly. in Maui. Yes. And we, we were on the beach 100%. and we took that picture. You yeah. Know? But and if, now I'm just sitting in my living room. Yes. Yeah. So, so I think that, because I don't, that's a, I think it's a really helpful analogy because we do these weird one or the others when that one kind of answers both, right? Of like, it's okay to share the highlights, but be honest. You're not manufacturing pictures. You're not just going to Disneyland for the picture. Right. You went to Disneyland and you took a picture. So that's fair. But then on the second one, it's like, yeah, we have to also really reckon with like, it's usually, not always, usually sometimes the, the person who's holding the phone, it's, it's it's, it's there. What it is, it's like we've been looking at the photo book too much. Yeah. So put it down and go do real life. Right. So what's your recommendation for like families with kids and things that mm. where the kids maybe just are always on their phone, or maybe maybe the maybe the parents just didn't even realize. That. I, I, I'm I feel the worst for parents that like this happened too. Yes. Right? Like after my generation, maybe another seven or eight years, like the kids that were... Or it's right in the middle still. Seven or eight yeah, we haven't thought about it a ton yet. Like, they got yeah, the devices. Exactly. Like yeah. those parents just More got like the like guinea pig experiment. <laughs> yeah. No, so, so what do you recommend yeah. now for somebody that's like, okay, now that we got my bearings here, totally. what do I do with my family to make sure that my kids aren't like putting their entire self-worth totally. into this little device? Yeah, I think one thing that I talk about, I don't know if I talk about in the book, but it certainly relates to the book, but we have in our own family, as we call it, my last name is Beth Key, so we call it the Beth Key Tech Manifesto. And it's kind of this fun little play, but like we, be, we believe that as a family, we need to have like a manifesto, like that kind of spirit of like how we are going to engage with devices, hmm. technology, and this current iteration and world we're in with social media. And if we don't, we lose. You know what I mean? And what I mean by that is like, I don't think we've ever reckoned with the fact that this is the most concentrated power has ever been in all of human history, right? You, there's probably a hundred 
maybe only 50 men, probably maybe a few women in Silicon Valley that have the power and are 100% shaping all of what we believe in our culture for about two or three billion people in regards to technology devices and social media. That's a scary amount of disproportional power. Mm -hmm. Like maybe you could argue tobacco's been in that realm. Maybe you could argue fossil fuels and oil's been in that realm, but I don't think it's still that disproportionate. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, it's because it's combining tech and media. 100%. Like the other big tech companies. Totally. The other big, you know, giant conglomerates didn't also have the power to distribute content. Exactly. That's a good way to put it. Yes. And so that concentration of power on its face is already terrifying uh two those people have an agenda and i don't mean like crazy evil like their businesses they need to return money to their shareholders it's very simple right and because of that they're going to make a lot of decisions that allow that make us behave like we're the product we're not the consumer right humans in this world are the product in the social media realm if you're not paying for something you're the product right? Not the thing you're using. Mm-hmm. Uh, your eyes are being sold. Your data is being sold. Your brain's being sold. Your behavior's being sold. So I think that's really important because then what you realize is like, okay, they're not wrong for that. They are a business. They need to return profit to their shoulders. Hopefully they do it ethically. Sometimes they don't. Um, but they have an agenda and they are going to 100% shape everything to fit that agenda. They're going to make things certain colors so we behave in a certain way. Mm-hmm. They're going to make them refresh in a certain way. They're going to make them look a certain way. They're going to make them cost a certain way. They're going to make you behave a certain like everything, right? They spend billions of dollars to get us to behave a certain way. Right. So the whole point of me is like, okay, if you don't have if you don't have a competing force on that, you automatically lose. Mm-hmm. Like you lose, right? You you will be their agenda. You will do what they want how they want, when they want it, uh, in almost a robotic drone-like state. Because yeah, you're, if you're not purposeful and intentional resisting, not totally, being that way, totally. you're just going to end up being that Yes, way. and there's some parts of it where it's fine. Like, okay, let that fall through the cracks. That's fine. You know, they want me to do that, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. But are you being intentional with it? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so then we have a family manifesto that's just like, this is what we believe about technology. And it's always, it's malleable. We're always changing it based on us and our kids' ages. And But yeah, it's got rules in there like, you know, we don't bring phones in the bedroom. Uh, you know, I can't look at the phone for the first hour of the day. We, <clears throat> we only have one TV in the house and it has to hide when I'm and I so I literally built a cabinet system where like it's on an elevator and just goes and goes down and so now when you walk in our home you can't see any television you don't even think people don't even think we have a television and it's those little things like that that okay we're not centering the tv which means we turn it on less psychology supports that 100% how you shape your space will also shape shape how you behave and how you act Mm. Um, and so all of that type of stuff really really matters yeah that's crazy man there's just so many pieces of the puzzle that totally I have to be aware of, at least, mm-hmm. you know, especially as a parent, Yeah, as a responsible parent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but uh, moving into, like, the business side of this, yeah. um, talk to me about content creation in general. Mm-hmm. So just to kind of shift gears, talk to me about, you know, you've done YouTube, you've done yep. podcasting, you've written several books at this point, you do public speaking. If somebody's out there right now, and, and we have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to, yeah. this, to this show, if somebody's out there right now and they're like, okay... I have this message and I have this brand and I have this business and I want to amplify that. And I know that's creating some form of content totally. is probably the way to do that. Yeah. How would you recommend they get started? How, do I get, how would you get started? I would say, you know, totally that 10,000 hour rule of like, just get started. Like yeah. you will, you are meant to, it usually takes about a decade to hone a craft of some sort. And even me having a viral video earlier, I'm now about almost at that 10 year realm and I can feel just finally a decent level of like proficiency. It's funny. I've just noticed last year or two, like I still need to grow a ton. Yeah. still need to work. But like, but like, I feel like I kind of fell in the pocket of like, yeah. okay, I got this. I know what I'm doing. I've done this before this, you know, think through this. I've gotten a little bit better. And it's just funny. It is like a eight to 10 year thing where that it takes that long. It's crazy. How many people I talk to now that, that say that, um, say that kind of stuff. My buddy, Jordan Harbinger has a, a mm. podcast and 
gets like six million downloads a month. And I was talking to him the other day and I was just like asking him a few questions. Yeah. Just kind of just I'm a podcaster, younger yes. podcaster, trying to like, you know, what what can I expect? Totally. Here, you know? And he said something a ver a, a yep. version of the same thing that like he feels like the last two or three years has really been where his explosion of growth has yes. been in not only his numbers but in his skill set yes. and his network and the people he brings on his show yep. and stuff. And we don't like that story though. Right. It takes that's a while, not the sexy eight story. To, yeah, yeah, hey, totally. hey, to get to eight to ten years and kind of like yeah. do something that no one really notices and then maybe it'll pop. No one loves that. Right. Yeah, but exactly. there's a lot of truth to that. And but you know what's ridiculous though is that we look at eight to ten years and we go, Man, that's forever. Yes. But then like the alternative is what? Yeah, just, work 40 years for somebody else yes, and retire or like, or try security. to be entrepreneurial but just bounce around every year or two because right. it's you, you want it to pop faster right the other story yes. is way worse like yes. markedly worse yeah than, totally than like just focusing totally. in and, and working on your craft for eight, yep. 10 years but it just i guess it just sounds so difficult or something totally. that it just makes people not want to do it well here's and, here's what i would say yeah it, i agree but also i think we need to get back to respecting the process do you know what i mean like yes. the process is is what matters that like the process itself of of going forward of 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 like it's not about the end result it's about what it's what it's doing to us the mm -hmm. process itself so i think that's really important so in terms of platform if somebody's just starting out which platform would you say like hey you should go all in on this platform first and then start redistributing content to other good platforms? question i think pay attention to what you're good at first of all because i think it's different for each person like i'm some people are not as good on video right so then try to make me you know parlay into audio someone some people are not good at with their voice at all parlay into writing you know mm -hmm. blogs and of course you should be distributing all across the board but know which one you feel like is your breadwinner yeah. and then talking platform specific um, I think like go where the eyeballs are. I think you know like I'm a huge fan of TikTok right now mm. um, because I think that's totally here. Here's my favorite phrase: When anyone says, "Oh, that's just for teenagers," you should be on that immediately, mm. right? Not yeah. for creepy, weird reasons, <laughs> um, but like that—that that is the phrase that totally dead give is a dead giveaway that this is the next big thing. Yeah. It happened with uh, YouTube, then it happened with Instagram, then it happened with Snapchat, and now it's happening with TikTok, right? And that's exactly what people are saying: Oh, isn't that just a kids app where they do fun, dumb stuff? Yeah. yeah. Yes, and you should be there. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I love it. And that's where like a lot of the creativity and content and stuff like that. So be on all the platforms, but just the eyeballs, the attention, all when you hear that phrase, it's so cheap on those places, right? Yeah, you can break through thing. the noise so much more when you right. when you're in those spaces. Like literally, I know I have multiple friends, some with like zero platform, like that they don't even care about the internet, and it's couple hashtags all of a sudden got them 100,000 views on TikTok. That's yeah. on, you can't do that on Instagram. You can't yeah. do that on YouTube, right? Because it's so uh, booming mm -hmm. and the saturation hasn't happened yet that it's just like kind of getting up there, getting early. Yeah, that's insane. So um, in terms of what's driven the most in your business, mm. what what Good would question. you say has been like the biggest driver? Like, is it a, yeah. is it a book? Probably, is it... Yeah, I'd say probably books or YouTube. Yeah, okay. that's probably what I would say compared to either social media in general, Instagram, Facebook, podcast, stuff like that. You have to know your own circle. You have to know your own funnel, okay. right? And so that's what I'm kind of back to that strength weakness thing. For me, I started on YouTube and I noticed uh, you kind of have to name and claim each platform, right? So for me, I almost consider YouTube my billboard. And mm -hmm. that's a weird way to put it, but YouTube, YouTube is in my opinion, for my stuff, because I make a lot of stuff, podcasts, books, et cetera. YouTube is the, the billboard, the first thing they might go, oh, who's, who's that? What's going on there? Who's that guy, right, on the side of the freeway? Um, usually that's YouTube for me, and it's not always YouTube for everyone. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's social media, um, you know, the other ones. Sometimes it's book writing. But I think you have to know what that is, and YouTube is that for me, and then book writing is just a really, really special way to take people really deep that none of the other platforms I do can. Mm -hmm. So those two combined, I would say, certainly have kind of helped uh, 
get it all where it is today. Do you find your books are mostly bought from warm audience or do you find that like the book puts you in front of audiences? That's a really good question. I have no data to support that. So that would be a subjective answer. But I, if I had to guess, I would almost say a little bit of both. What you really need for a book to be successful is the core audience to take it strong and almost be like your super fans to go tell people about it. Mm -hmm. But a good book, in my opinion, is one of the most frontline grenade-like things you can do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I almost see books as like grenades. Like they're big ideas. They take a lot of time, way more than podcasts and YouTube and stuff like that. So take a lot of time on it and then kind of throw that grenade out in culture, right? Yeah. Title it something that hopefully will start the conversation and get it going. And then in that case, it's not a warm audience at all, but it's a, like a welcoming audience. You know what I mean? And yeah. so I think that's different. Yeah. Which of your books has not necessarily been your favorite or whatever, but has like meant the most to you in terms of the content in the book itself? Nothing to do yes. with sales, audience. Totally. Like 100%, what meant the 100% most? this one then, for okay. sure. Uh, and I think there's just some books that take on a personal nature more than the others. I love all my books. I think four now and six or seven self-published ones. But out of the traditional published ones, four of them now, definitely this one. I think... There's something about this one that just felt like this message got into my bones and it just got so deep in me that it felt like it just, it was the easiest book to write, but also the hardest. Meaning I feel like it was the densest, deepest, kind of weirdest. Like I just kind of make crazy connections and go all over, yeah. but it was the easiest because it really felt like it was in there. And so that feels really personal and really cool that like I had to have this whole journey in transformation first before I could talk about it, but definitely this one. So for somebody listening who's like, man, I've, I've been wanting to write a book for a long time or yeah. I, I really want to write a book right now. Would you re- what, what would you recommend in terms of traditional publishing versus self-publishing and all that kind of stuff? I do both, and I, like, I recommend both. I think sometimes we say, here's the way I think about it. So like To Hell with the Hustle uh, is a very big idea book, meaning mm-hmm. like I, I spent years on that book. I'm trying to really distill a really strong concept, a really strong idea. So I like to argue if you want to write about a really big idea, I think it should go traditional publish. Okay. If you want to offer people a tool or a resource, then that tends to be self-published. That's how I tend to think about so it. So we got like a TED Talk book. Like yeah, that's yep. Or like I like so like so like half of my self published books have like a bunch of space to write in. Does that make sense? Like yeah, it's a tool, like, like a, a workbook. Yes, yeah, so yeah, they're yeah. almost were either workbooky or just like a daily thing or like they feel very practical, tactical tool. When I think kind of a uh, which hopefully a traditional public book sh- book should too, but uh, a lot more time and a lot more distilling of ideas. I think belongs there. Yeah, got it. So what's next, man? Like what what's the big things like that you got working on? Good Where question. do you see yourself five, ten years from now? Ooh, that I mean, it's so that question's so hard. Not because it's hard to dream, but it's hard to be like, man, if I count exactly five years back, there's no shot I would have felt like I was right here, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So right. I, you know, it's like it's kind of throwing it to the wind. But um, where do I see myself? So one of our main, one of my main full time jobs is I also run an entire initiative called Family Teams, uh, which is basically like a online platform that has courses and books and live events, and it's just like its own little brand to kind of just equip families for health and flourishing and sustainability. And it's almost to hell with the hustle, like burning out and overwhelm, but for families instead of individuals um, and giving people resources for that. And that's really where there's a lot, that's just resonating like crazy. That's growing like crazy more than a lot of stuff I've ever done. So I think I'll see myself just keeping doubling down there. Um, I really enjoy it the most. Um, And again, it's just part of what I do. It's not only, but uh, spending a lot more time there, growing that, seeing that get more successful, hopefully. Um, And yeah, continuing to write, um, and then from a life perspective, yeah, just hopefully in a really fun stage then in five or 10 years with the kids, more kids, I'm hoping by then, uh, married, still in Maui, hopefully. That'd be awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so this is the Build Your Network podcast. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about networking, relationships, yes. connections. 
Um, and this is something that it's, it's funny now when I have conversations with people, I always notice it sprinkled throughout the whole conversation. Yeah. Um, so even at the very beginning, when we first started, yeah. I was going to bring it up then, but I wanted yeah. to wait till the end. Um, and you said, you said something about how, uh, the, the biggest thing that helped you with the business side totally. of your, just asking people, your, yeah, yeah, it was just like this guy gave yes. you this and this totally. other person offered this and this you, totally. know, you got around these other people that were doing yes. really well in these things, and you started learning from them and then implementing, right? Yeah. So um, just along those lines, this is the question that I ask everybody um, to get the conversation rolling in this direction. So, Jeff, do you believe that who you know or what you know is more important and why? Oof, I would say I would say who you know because it gives you what you know. Does okay. that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, I 100% believe I am 100% a product of... Like literally, I you can't conceptualize yourself without even the people that have impacted you or been around you. Right. And I even include that, by the way, too, to like books and stuff like that. People that have poured themselves out, but you might not never meet. Right. But you know their knowledge. Yeah, like that's that's a to, for me to think about all because I love reading. Try to read somewhere around hundred books a year. I didn't get to it this year. Did it last year. But you start thinking like people you actually know, but then even like people that more are giving you that you're not knowing them, but it's the same kind of thing of like learning from other people. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can, I can't even conceptualize what I'd be without all that stuff. That's just bless me over and over and over and over and over again. And then, yeah, going more personal to people that I do know really strongly. Yeah, I'm so a product man of just people that have poured into me and helped me and encouraged me. And that's actually, they say that, don't they? Don't they say you're like, you're basically just your five friends? Yeah, so you're the average of, of the five people. Yeah, 100% believe that. And then I think that that then that that gives you what you know, which is important. Right. I don't, you know, like I think that's actually step one, step two. Um, and so that's what I would totally. say for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mainly agree with everything that you yeah. just said. That, that, that's the biggest thing for me is that I find... That if you spend a lot of time with the who, the what will increase in direct proportion totally. to the who that you bring around you. Totally. Whereas I don't really see the opposite being as true. Exactly. Like if you work so much on your what, it's not necessarily going to exponentially increase the who, right? Yes. It, it might increase the who because yes. if you get really good at what you do, you're going to get attention from people, right? Totally. But it doesn't necessarily exponentially increase. Whereas if you go spend time with people who are two, three, four levels above yeah. you in whatever you're trying to accomplish, even if it's something silly like, hey, I just want to work on my golf game this year. Yes. Right? If you go golfing once a week with people who are worse than you or you go golfing once a week people who are, who are better yeah, than you. Yeah, exactly. At the end of the year, which person's going to be better? Yes, like, exactly. The person who with the people better totally. because you're just going to learn things by being around them, by totally. hanging out, by being a part of conversations. Totally. Like just being a fly on the wall and being like, oh, that's the level of conversation that these people are having totally. is what enables you to start not only changing your actions but changing your mindset yeah. to like do what you, know, you, you, what you used to think was impossible. Totally. And one thing I would add to that too is like serve the people you're around. I think sometimes where that gets a little weird is when people kind of want to enter into these spaces with people that they really look up to and like, but then it's kind of just this take, 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 take mentality. Yeah. yeah. When it's like, no, no, you know, just, I, I don't, you'll, it's counterintuitive to the West. It's counterintuitive to like current culture. But like, I fully believe if you pour yourself out, if you serve other people, it actually like, you'll be fine. 100%. You know, we say that that, you know, in our culture, the lie is that like, if you do that, you'll get taken advantage of, you'll lose some things, you'll, you won't, you know, you need to watch out for yours or kind of whatever, kind of elbow in places. Yeah. I totally believe if you just serve, offer people value, is kind of the phrase they're using on the internet now. But I think that's just really a phrase for like serving people and loving people well. It's just, it takes care of itself. Yeah. One of my favorite books on that is Give and Take by Adam Grant. If yeah. You, if you he's have, amazing. I yeah, love him. If, if you have not read yeah. it, listen to this right now. He's like now. one of my favorite people. Books, podcasts, yeah. all his stuff is brilliant. Gotta check that book yeah. out because it is. It goes into exactly what we're just talking yes. about. He basically breaks down that there's givers, takers, and matchers. Yes. Givers, obviously, yeah. you know who they people are. Takers, give. same. Matchers are people who give. 
only when they know they're going to get an yes. equal amount of value yeah, back. back. Yeah. So they break down and do a ton of studies. And you know Adam, he's yeah. a you know, fantastic he author, connecting the crazy professor. dots with the studies. Yeah, and yeah he's yeah. got stats on stats yep. on stats. And he puts it together basically this whole study yes. that said they followed around givers, takers, and matchers and like put them on the success ladder. Like where yes. do you end up? And the givers are always at the top. The givers are That's at crazy. the top. The givers are also at the bottom. Yes. So what's interesting <laughs> is like figuring out. So he goes into that book like, yes. okay, if you're a giver, you you will end up at the top yeah. if you put a couple of these like different caveats into the yes. way that you, you give. Still to be, you still need to be smart, right. wise. So totally, I love and that. And changing up. And one of the big things that was that was really interesting for me to read uh, because I, I think I'm naturally more of a matcher. Yeah. Um, and after reading that book and then having a show on networking and totally. relationships, I've trained myself to become a giver yes. and just give without expectation, yes. right? So one of the things that I had uh, trouble wrapping my mind around was like, okay, well, how do I make sure I'm not one of the givers that ends up at the bottom because people take yes. advantage of me all the time? Yep. And one of the big things was he said, don't feel bad about changing up your reciprocity style mm. with a taker. Yes. So if you like interact with somebody and you realize that they're just like taking, 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 taking yeah. you can't just continue to give to that give, person. Yes. You have to like yes. switch Cut the cycle. to a matcher. Yes. So it's it's funny. I've seen it play out in my life now several That's times where people have been like, take, 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 and I offer a ton of value and I'm trying to build a relationship. Yeah. There's never any reciprocity yes. and they're just a taker. And then eventually, like the next time they ask me for something, I cut it off and I'm just like, sorry, like, I, you know, I'm too busy or I can't do that right now. Yes. And then I they just that. kind of go do their own thing. And yeah. it's just like, okay, well, like uh, I, I had to switch it at yes. this point, but I had and to be helps, okay with it that. It kind of helps reveal true colors. Totally. And it helps also cut off the cycle that's not helpful. I love yeah, that. 100%. Um, so real quick, we're coming up to the end here. Um, tell me a story, something that we haven't talked about yet, a, a quick story about maybe a time in your life where uh, a relationship with somebody led to a big moment of you know success or mm. clarity or fulfillment, something that you feel like you can directly attribute to a relationship that you had in your life. It kind of goes back to what I alluded to earlier. Of with people bringing surrounding people around, you know, even like, and it, and it gets all the way down to the books. Like, I don't think I would have a book deal. I don't think I'd be doing a lot of this stuff if it wasn't for a couple of men and different reasons. But I specifically now I'm thinking of the book. Um, there was almost like this fatherly like grandfather. And here's what happened. So, so there, I had a mentor in my life, right? And one of his really good friends, he was in his wedding uh, 40 years ago or whatever, uh, is a really high-powered uh, literary agent. Mm. And so when everything went viral, you know, he basically said, hey, I, like, I just think you should talk to my friend, you know, and he can help you out. And that connection literally led to almost like the entire like, success and business side of just being more than a guy with three videos. Mm. You know? And through that literally led to my first book deal, which did pretty decent, and then that led to the next one and all that type of stuff. So um, that, it's crazy when you can trace the dots that, what's the word, obvious? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that one relationship. And it wasn't, and back to even with the give and taking, I wasn't trying to take anything from him. He was just more like a father figure in my life. Um, and he just, and, and so then when it happened, he didn't just reach out for help. So we were already in relationship. So that shows you too, by the way, be in relationship when you don't need something. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's like, Take we, we, we sometimes wouldn't want to be in that relationship until we need something. Right. I was like, no, it's just like, it was more of a real relationship with no business, no nothing. And then something happened, he goes, oh, and I didn't even know he knew this guy, you know? He's like, oh, I know this guy, not even know this guy, he's like a really good friend. So yeah. then it led to a meeting that led to everything else. So it's crazy. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. You hit the nail right on the head was saying like, it's a real relationship. Yes. So people have a tendency to segment their relationship. Building yes. and they're like networking with business people is in this yes. box over and it's here. Like, no, networking is your life. Friendships is over here. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like, no, it's yeah. all the it's same. It's all the same. I love yeah. that. Totally. I love that. Well, look, man, I know we could keep talking forever and ever if I don't cut this off. No, so I'm let's gay. go ahead and move on to the last segment here. Something I like to call the random round. Just a few quick random questions. Oh, quick, I love this style. Let's answers. do it. Let's do it. What profession other than your own do you think that it would be fun to attempt? 
Oh, I, I, I mean, I would be, if it doesn't matter if you'd be horrid at it, I would love to do like music. Perfect. Yes. If you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and chat for an hour, who would it be and why? Oh, that was, uh, um, oh man, it's like, what genre do I go with? Um, I'm going, my brain's going all through. I mean, someone like Malcolm Gladwell or something like that would be fun. Mm. Yeah. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts? Books, 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 books. Okay, mm-hmm. what's, what's a book that's kind of overarching, entrepreneurial that you would recommend Culture to Code. the audience? Love that book. It's actually my favorite parenting book, but it's not a parenting book at all. It's an entrepreneurial leadership biz, you know, business book, How Do You Create Culture, um, but it has probably been my favorite parenting book. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Morning routine, wake up at four usually, which, by the way, caveat, I go to bed at eight, so because I'm not this hustle grinder. I, I get eight hours of sleep. Um, I just wake, th- I wake up that early because it's my best content creation. I write the best when I do that. Um, it was one of those things that started at six, then I backed it up to five, backed it up to four because of how much I was loving it. Right, right. Um, and I've been doing that for a couple of years now where it's just like I write better, I think better, I read, I don't turn on my phone. I just, it's so quiet. It's so amazing before everything else gets going. But you got to go to bed pretty early to do that, and especially with kids. But yeah, that's really what it is. It's just waking up early. And if it's a book season, I write. So it's more of a, if, it's a, if it's a crazy season, it's an output. If it's a chill season, it's an input, meaning like I'll just kind of read and hang mm-hmm. out and think. And then that's it. And then 6 o'clock, I'm usually, I probably will do that till about 7. Uh, and then me and Alyssa will kind of talk my wife, talk for a few minutes, catch up on the day. And then our kids get going and breakfast at 8. What is your go-to pump-up song? This is not it at all, but it's stuck in my head because I just watched a parody of it. But it's like, what is that? The, that girl one where it's like fight song like this. Is oh, my yeah. Fight song. That is actually pretty solid. My buddy, Trey Kennedy, he's hilarious. He has millions of followers on Instagram. He does like comedy bits. And he just did this hilarious parody called This Is My Fall Song. And he's pretending to be like a white girl, uh, like the, uh, representing fall pumpkin spice latte and all that stuff. So people <laughs> need to go watch that. But, that's, but it pumped me up. I was like, that's awesome. What is something, putting business aside, yeah. authorship, like all this stuff, like putting all this stuff aside, what's something just in general in life that you're just like not very good at at all? Not very good at, um, not very good at managing people. That's a, yeah. So I try to stay away from that when I can. I really? Try to, yeah. Try to be very solopreneur. Try to okay. be, or be in partnership with people that are really good yeah. at that. So because we do yeah. have organizations and things that we got staff and employees and all that. But uh, yeah, want to grow at it. But then also have systems in place right now where it's I need to get better first. You yeah. Know? yeah. So as we wrap everything up here, Jeff, what's one place online where we're going to be able to find you the most? Uh, anywhere and everywhere. You can just search Jefferson Bethke. It's the handle on all the stuff. Uh, JeffAndAlyssa.com is our website. And then yeah, all the books are on anywhere books are sold. Sweet. So. Jefferson Bethke, uh, just give it a quick search and you will uh, be busy for hours and hours with all the content and stuff that's out there. Um, And then definitely go pick up a copy of his new book, To Hell with the Hustle. Um, I can guarantee you, especially if you're listening to this podcast, that you need to hear (laughs) what he has to say um, in this book. So, uh, Jeff, thanks so much for coming to the show today. My man had a fantastic time with you. Dude, thanks, man. That was awesome. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. As most of you know, I talk a lot about giving value to others. This podcast is one of the ways that I do that since all the content from the show is totally 100% for free. And when people ask me how they can add value to me, one of the ways I tell them is to head over to iTunes, hit the subscribe button, and leave a rating and review. This not only gives me valuable feedback on what you think about the show, but it also helps me with Apple's algorithm. So please, 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 if you have not done that yet, head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review for the show. It adds tremendous value and it only takes a minute or two of your time. Have a wonderful rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.